coming up on Just Elders Podcast. This has been the hardest guest to get on the podcast. I want us to have some conversations uh, about African spirituality. We're sure. seeing that a lot more now. For the weed smoker, they're like, man, what a time to be alive. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm not downing who God made me. Right. I've brought that to ministry now. So, I mean, it, 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 it is what it is. The whitewashed version of Christianity. Have you all not read the scripture that says the stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone? The church having rejected too many of our people and marginalized them, right? Because the spirit ain't in the middle the spirit, of it. Yeah. Uh, and how I came to Sankofa. So when I, my journey, I was born into um, a church called Little Bethlehem, super white, 98% white. I've been there. You can't get reparations without God. Man. Because Christianity is an African version of spirituality. Ready? Born ready. Young people going to stand up real quick. Come on. It's Wednesday. Y'all let's vibe today. Today's going to be a good day on the Just Show This Podcast. It's always a good day. Because God is good all the time. And God is good. Hey. Don't be cute with it. You got to get, come on. I don't care what y'all say. Maverick City ain't doing this. Y'all hear them horns? That boy was nasty, bro. That boy was nasty, bro. Hey, hey, what? Hey, y'all, I got a real special guest in the studio with me today. I got to vibe real fast. I got to set the tone real fast. If you on YouTube, you know the vibes. Hey. Gonna be a wet? Right today. Right today. We're gonna do a jet like this. What's up, family? It's your boy Eldridge. You are tuning to the Just Eldridge Podcast, the hottest podcast to ever get the airways. I am super excited because we're about to record the greatest episode we have ever recorded. I say it every time and I mean it every single time. Give a round of applause, round of applause. Thank y'all for tuning in to last week's episode. That was from last week. <laughs> That's just our favorite Kurt Franklin drop. <laughs> Kurt Franklin ain't been on the show to give us a real drop. Yep. So that's our favorite drop of his. Uh, but now last week, uh, Ashante, Ashanti should be Beyonce. Yeah, we just really, we just, we dissected her career of what she was doing when she was doing it, what Beyonce was doing when she, if Ashanti would have had genuine leadership, and backing behind her, she would have been bigger than what Beyonce is right now. Man, it's even worse than that. I seen episode two. It's even worse than that. We talk about it on the next spot, but Dang, I ain't it's even, even worse than that. You should have told me. I ain't even watch it, God. It get bad. So you gotta go back and listen to it. We I just, need to. Yeah, we're just breaking it down. I mean, at one time, Murder Inc., they were the biggest it thing. It. it was it. Yeah, they were it. And Beyonce, uh, uh, Ashanti was in that name. You couldn't name the top singers. 
without naming her. So I'm, I'm an old, old head, I know, but some of Beyonce's rise came after she got with Jay-Z, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 if Ashante ain't with Jay-Z. Yeah, if Beyonce ain't with Jay-Z, she definitely yeah. ain't. Nah, she ain't. Yeah. But, like, they, they ended up helping each other, though. There was a period where uh, she kept be, uh, Jay-Z alive. Yeah, After yeah, she yeah. got on, and Jay Z put her on, she, like it was, that was a. I'm gonna watch that that episode. Yeah, you yeah. should check it out. It's on BET. They do a really good job with all these documentaries. I mean, I don't think none of them have been better than uh, No Limit, the masterpiece. Okay, but like they're all really good. But let us let's just jump right in, uh, ladies and gentlemen. For the first time on the podcast, this brother has been a friend to me, a teacher, a mentor. Uh, what he is most noted for in my life, he reconciled my blackness with my Christianity. We talked about this on the podcast before. Um, this is the great, uh, the cool, the smooth, <laughs> wise, the blackest. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Boldest, we call him the lead pastor of not only one of the blackest, realest, small but very impactful churches, Sankofa Church. Y'all give it up for Rev. Derek Reverend Ross. What's up, Rev? Slow motion, man. Happy to be in the number. Man, let me tell you, this has been the hardest guest to get on the podcast. You know it's what? a busy man, man. <laughs> I, yeah. You can't say I ain't been begging for this interview. This is true, but you say, will you come on and get ghosts for a few weeks and say, when you come on? I mean, it, it, both of us have had some, some, <laughs> I get, I get to you. I get to you. Yeah. I, I get to you. That was a slip way to say you ain't been at church. So like, <laughs> that was that was, a, that was a good way of saying that. But now we here now, man. And um, for the listeners, I want y'all to dig through the crates. Uh, there was an episode. Uh, I wish I could remember the number. It was probably five episodes back, if that, a little bit more. Uh, with 217, and it was an impromptu conversation. Uh, I don't even remember if you remember the premise of like how it got started. It just. It, something about the music. Yeah, we kind of was talking about the music and then he was in the industry. He kind of reconciled leaving the industry mm-hmm. for, you know, when he found God. And right. then we got to talk but about that. And then we were talking about, uh, Christianity versus other religions. Yeah, and, that uh, part too. Everybody, is everybody going to hell? And if you ain't a Christian and then, and then that's that conversation. Then there's a broader online conversation. The church is, uh, 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 tool, religion is a tool the white man used against us. Uh, why would we use the white man, uh, uh, why would we use the right white man religion? You know what I'm saying? They told us to pray, they closed their eyes, they, we had the Bibles, they had the gold. I mean, it's, I mean, you can name everything you hear. That, and then the last thing too, um, this, the decline in the church, mm-hmm. you know, how it used to be the bashing for civil rights and social justice. Now young people aren't doing that there and some churches aren't doing it anymore. So, you know, we talked about all of that. Yeah. And then every time we talk about it, you come up because, because I, I always say on this podcast, if I don't have the answers, I find somebody that does. And if that person don't have it, they can help us find somebody that does. No so, doubt. right. No doubt. You're my go to. For when I'm having these questions. So what this podcast, so I guess what this conversation is, one, I want to demyth a lot of things. Mm-hmm. On. I want to demyth some stuff that have been mystified. I want us to have some conversations uh, about African spirituality. We're sure. seeing that a lot more now. 
And then I also want to equip myself because I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I identify as a Christian. So this is equipping me. So when I had them conversation, oh yeah, <laughs> like, I got something Shoot to say that. behind it <laughs> because, you know, I know I've been to Ethiopia. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that yeah. Christianity ain't a white man religion, but it's right. like, right. it's still, you know, I still need more talking points. And I just, I just think my audience need to hear this. And this is what the Just Elder podcast, this is, how we started this podcast because we can have any and every conversation. So we here today. Let's get to it. Before we started, man, let's tell the people who are you, Rev? Like I'm calling you Rev. You're here in Atlanta, but we know you from Chicago. Let's talk a little bit about your story. Like how did you get land to ministry? And I know that's the long thing, yeah. but I, uh, I how did I land the ministry? I, I I recognized years ago uh of a call my call to ministry. I was a student here in Atlanta at Morehouse College, but I was a, I was a hellion, uh, you name it. Uh, I probably did it. And he accused her too, yeah. Rude to the good brothers. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I've got some stories that I'm not proud of, but just just to to offer one of them. I don't even know why I'm allowing myself to, to share this uh, with the community. But when I was in undergraduate school, I think it was my junior year in undergraduate school. Um, I used to stand on uh, the steps of a church in the middle of an AUC right down the street from Woodruff Library for people who are familiar with the AUC. And I was an enterpriser and I used to sell $3 joints in AUC on the steps of that church. Uh, very few people had money to buy a 20 cent bag. I'm dating myself. That's the way we used to purchase. Yeah, you really <laughs> He told me I should come and be authentic. <laughs> right. so, for the uh, weed smoker, they're like, man, what a time to be alive. Right, right. <laughs> but the point is, you know, as as the college students that didn't have many resources, everybody had three dollars. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of money standing on the steps of that porch. Um but twenty years later, God called me to pastor the church that worshiped in that building. Um, and I ran from that call for a long time. And so I went back to Chicago after I finished school and I, I saw what it is I was supposed to do, but I made it into a number of other things running from a call. So I became, that's when I became a community organizer in Chicago. Um, I started several community organizations. I ran for political office twice, uh, won one, lost one. I mean, I was, I was trying to make it anything other than a pastor um, being a pastor and the reason was twofold first of all i knew the method i've been engaged in so my thought was there's no way in the world you could be calling me to ministry i don't know if you remember but when you initially came to let us make man i used to tell you all the time you remind me of me then and i've never given you the whole story right? they say raised out of hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, but here, there's a text of scripture that says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm not downing who God made me. Right. I've brought that to ministry now. So, I mean, it, 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 it is what it is. But what I, so one of the reasons I was running from ministry was because my thought then was there's no way you could be calling me. But then the other piece was the whitewashed version of Christianity that seems that is framing um, this conversation today. And I had to learn for myself that he or she who has a microphone frames what becomes people's reality. And that whitewashed version that people are talking about is just not true. 
Right. Yeah. And so there's something to be said for uh, being in the middle of a conversation that says, I want to talk about African spirituality and I want to talk about Christianity. The premise from the very beginning is faulty because Christianity is an African version of spirituality. Oh. Right. But because people have bastardized our truth, they made it something other than what it really is. And so here's Jesus in Africa doing these things, responding to Rome's oppressive behavior. This is a book about white supremacy. And you got folks that are so mixed up talking about that was a white man's religion. These are black folks responding to oppression from Rome. Rome is in Europe. Africa is Africa. And Rome is saying to these individuals, here's how many taxes you get. I mean, look through the New Testament. The Roman centurions come up all of the time. Rome ain't in Africa. Right. So this is a response. This is a response to white supremacy even back then. And so who I am, you know, I, I, I grew up in the AME church. Um, I was still running from my call to ministry. Uh, but the sister that I was dating for a couple of years was a member of Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago, happened to be where my mother was a member as well. And my church was a dead church. Wasn't no drums in the church. Uh, Pastor Thomas Cooper, uh, rest in peace. He was my man, but he wasn't no, he wasn't the best preacher around. Right. <laughs> um, but that's where I, that's where I established a relationship with God. But the point was, sister made it real clear. I'm not worshiping at this church. If we gonna be together, cause it's too dead. You can come to my church. My mother was there. Jeremiah Wright is a pastor there. Jeremiah yeah, Wright is my mentor. Yeah, I was about to say, where did you get in with him? So I go to Trinity. And Which, I, that's a big deal. Huge. You know, you, oh, yeah. you sat and learned under Jeremiah oh, Wright. Yeah, so that's like, my man. We, for yeah. those that don't know, please Google that. Yeah, Google Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright Jr., <clears throat> who uh, is the person, in my opinion, who gave uh, Barack Obama his black card, which made that presidency possible. Um, and real talk, when... Uh, uh, Barack came to Chicago because I went to Whitney Young High School as well. So I graduated from the same high school Michelle graduated from. And when he initially came to Chicago, our community referred to Barack as Michelle's boyfriend. She's the brains in that outfit, but that's a whole different story. Um, but the point is they came to Trinity and that's where people began to accept him as an organizer who was connected to his blackness. So much for that. But I, I get uh, reacquainted with Jeremiah Wright because uh, I've been knowing that family since I was in elementary school. His oldest daughter was my play leader in elementary school when I was in second grade. So I've always known him. And when I ran for my first uh, political office, um, I remember it was a local school board position and I was running against the, if you know anything about Chicago politics, it's cutthroat. And, uh, it's when the daily machine was still controlling, uh, Chicago politics. And the people who held those positions were supposed to be either the war committee people or the committee, uh, persons that ran all of the wars in Chicago. So I ran against the machine and won. And one of my first responsibilities was to be the guest, guest speaker. Uh, at the graduation of the elementary school that I graduated from. And this is when I'm having my wrestle peace with God. So I knew I was called to ministry. So I called Jeremiah Wright and I said, listen, man, I want to figure out a way to bring up God without saying God in this public school setting. Help me. So he gave me a story, but before he did it, because Rev is uh every nasty joke I know I learned from him, right? I mean, so he's a, he's like me, right? Which is one of the things that made me comfortable with uh ultimately accepting my call. But um 
So he gives, before the conversation starts, he says, uh, I said, uh, Pastor Wright, you probably don't remember me. Janet was my play leader. Here's my, uh, here's my request. He said, uh, yeah, did you go to Morehouse? I said, yeah. He said, uh, your mama named Charlene, ain't it? I said, yeah. He said, you over at that dead church, Arnett, ain't you? <laughs> I said, I guess I could say, yeah. He said, well, here's what you can do. He said, but this is what I ask you. When you stand up, they say you can't tell a Morehouse man nothing. <clears throat> But I'm going to tell you what you need to say. If you promise to stand up at the beginning of your speech and say Virginia Union, I won't say what he said, gave you what you needed, then I'll help you. <laughs> like So that began the beginning of a real powerful relationship. A couple years later, I ended up joining this church. And that is where I learned um, the Africanity that is Christianity versus what most people say. How do we tie them together? If we understand what it really is, there's no tying it together. White folks have gotten a small portion of what Christianity is and taken the Africanity out, which gives, leaves us with half-baked food, which is why people are sick. So question. First of all, thank you for all that. Thank you for all that. It's, and I know it's a lot. So yeah. you just gave us a yeah, yeah, chunk yeah, of yeah. version. But when we talk <laughs> about that, trunk it like a smaller version. <laughs> so um, so when, you, uh, when you talk about uh, what white people had gave us the small, well, the small piece of real estate. How did it take fire? Like, how do we go from the real African spirituality to what we have now in Christianity? Like, where did that? So, I, so I, I guess there's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, e- e- even that, and I, I want you to hear this, and you know, with all the love that I know you know I have for you, but I think we've got to be really careful in the language that we use because even that, dichotomization of Christianity, it, it creates um, a space for people to be confused. The Christianity that we have today is not the Christianity that we have if we free. That that they got, I don't even spend time paying attention to that. That's why some of the people that you you mentioned earlier before we started talking, I don't know nothing about that. Christianity is a liberation-minded faith tradition. And all of this other stuff. If you feel that God called you to do that, do that. But the book is talking about a response to oppression. And if you ain't talking about that, you're not talking about the version of Christianity that Jesus was practicing, period. All right. So boom, that's the definition of Christianity. What is the definition of the church? Because so, offline you said what yeah. people call the church, not church. Yeah. So got you, Dustin. one of the things, yeah, Dustin, I'm, I'm glad we got to it real quick because they, they played my boy Dustin kind of to the Appreciate left. The question. <laughs> right. Um, so in my mind, uh, if you really think about it, if you look at the, the, the Bible, the church as it were really was a handful of people in houses who were practicing these practices. Right. And so these, the mega churches, even churches, the size of Sankofa, were not the case then. There was one story in the book on the day of Pentecost where thousands of people came and gave their lives, but they did not join a particular church. That's why it was so big a deal when they said they were speaking in these tongues. It was a whole lot of tribes that were represented in that space. But the point is, in terms of what the church is for me, and let me, it's probably important for me to say, if I had all of the answers, black people would be free worldwide. I don't have all of the answers. But in my opinion, the church is... It's the spirit, it's the spirit house that is the engine that drives the community, right? And so if you just think about it for a moment, and I'm saying it's also important for me to start off by saying that we 
serve a God who is known by many names. Right. There's only one God. That God is known by many names, which is why I have no problem at all with whatever you call God and whatever version of spirit practice that you engage in, as long as you call God something. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm putting that out there because one of the first examples that came to mind when that question came up uh, offline, Dustin asked the question. And for me, the first thing that came to mind was the Haitian Revolution. Haiti is the only example in the history of the world where a group of black people who were enslaved beat down the European power and won their freedom. It's never happened in the history of the world. But what people don't uh, are not intentional about tying to that story is the fact that it was a spirit house that was the engine that drove that fight. Right. So there's a brother by the name of Bookman Duddy. Bookman Duddy, uh, D-U-T-T-Y. Y'all Google that. You know who this is, Dutty? Bookman nah, Duddy. I don't. I'm getting some history right y'all, now. Y'all, y'all Google Bookman Duddy, D-U-T-T-Y, <coughs> and the Haitian Revolution, and, and, and intentionally Google his prayer. Uh, he prays right before the Haitian Revolution starts and says, essentially, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially he says, God, we've been in this enslaved space for a minute. We about to fight for our freedom. We need you to go with us because we know you ain't a God of oppression. Here's what it is. This is what, what we're about to engage in. Well, what's important to note is Bookman Duty was not just a leader that inspired black people. He was a Vodun priest. Oh. Vodun is an offshoot of Ephah. Okay. Now we're getting into it. Okay. And so now when go. we start, when we hear people on television and the movie talking about voodoo, number one, there's no such thing as voodoo. The faith tradition is called Vodun, and this brother was a priest of Vodun who prayed that prayer and led to the first and only time that our people have won their freedom. What do you think Jesus was practicing before it became Christianity? I mean, I just want to sit that with you for a minute. Right. What do we think he was practicing? Because it wasn't Christianity to after he couldn't have been Christianity because we named it after him. Right. Mm. Okay. Right. And so if it wasn't Christianity before they named it after him, which was after he died, right. what were those African people life. practicing? It had to be an African practice. It was in Africa, right? right? And so for an individual who is thoroughly intimate with several uh, African uh, uh, spiritual practices, I can show you many places in the Bible where Jesus was practicing African traditions. All right. So we look at the book and we hear where this sister is caught in the act of adultery, right? Go back and read that text real close. The Bible says that the woman is caught in the act of adultery with a dude, and the book says that Jesus bends down and put his fingers in the dirt, and when he puts his fingers in the dirt, he looks up and says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Them niggas ran. But how did he know all of those people have been doing the same thing? The reason that he put his fingers in the dirt is because in Ephah, when you divine someone, you put your finger on the opun tray in what looks like dirt and you divine and get the old dude that says, here's what's happening here. That's what happened in the book. All right. So break that, break that, break that, break that. They're like, I hear you, but I'm trying to break it down for my listeners too. Go. Well, just get straight to it. Like yeah. what, what is Ephi? Yeah. What that is Ephi? Come up like on the podcast a couple times. Before. So many times people practicing it and then. Sometimes some people practicing it don't look like what other people practicing it. Uh, like 
What is ephi? What you what you got there? So question, you saying like pretty much Jesus was practicing ephi? I didn't use that language because I wasn't there, <laughs> right? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I just want to be real. Remember when I when I said lovingly to elders, language is critically important because yeah, yeah. people mm-hmm. are hanging on every word that mm-hmm. we use. Right. So I don't know what Jesus was practicing, but here's some fundamental truths that we know. We know he was African. We know he was practicing the spiritual tradition, right? And we know that Europe did not have any influence on what they were doing. Mm. That's enough for me. So whether it was Condum Blade, couldn't have been Condum Blade because that moves over in, in a different hemisphere. But the point is, whether it was any one of the African traditions that we can name, Akan, Ifa, there, there are many, right? The point is, it was not Christianity as people keep trying to tell us, mm-hmm. this is the version that we have. Come on, dude, that don't even make sense. The the Roman Empire doesn't get Christianity until about 323 A.D. When Constantine has a dream that says Rome is about to do what Rome does, which is go into other people's areas, take over the area, and then change everything so that they get all the political power. Well, Google this. Constantine sees it has a dream. He sees the sign of the Christos which is about Christ. And he says, when we go to battle today, if we win battle today, we will make Christianity the Rome's tradition. Mm. That's how white folks got Christianity. <laughs> so if they don't get that till 323, what happened in the first 300 years after Jesus was born, dead? It wasn't what y'all talking about now. Did, did, y'all, y'all, am I not worth your McDonald's money? You send me that video. Come on, man. That's white folks stuff. I don't even have time to pay attention to that. Right? At during that period of time, Rome then says, we're going to grab Christianity and we're going to make it our own. But because they've always been power and uh, 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 politics minded, they had sense enough to know I got to take everything African out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So when the book, when the book of Hebrews says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Everybody who calls themselves a Christian knows that definition of faith. But very few people can carry the conversation further that says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, where that text is found. The rest of that whole chapter is a list of Africans that live their lives by that definition. Abraham by faith did some. Sarah by faith did some. Enoch by faith did some. Noah by f- whole chapter, chapter 11, read it. But then chapter 12, verse one says now. Since we're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight that besets us and run the race that God has put before us. Why is that important? They're talking about the ancestors. Right. White folks don't acknowledge the ancestors. Why you keep talking to me about a white version of Christianity? They don't even have sense enough to know that the ancestors got to be a part of it. So what you're talking about is not Christianity. It's somebody's version that was being used for power and political presence. And I'm, I mean, I don't want no smoke. Do what you're doing. But this over here is what Christianity is. That right there is, you know, it's, it's something different, right? I like it. I like it. I like it. You dropping, you dropping. Drop we call that dropping gems right here. That's what we say that right here. Uh, dropping gems, dropping gems. So like go back to the, uh, go back to the African spirituality. We're seeing an increase of that. Why do you feel like so many young people are, I mean, me and Keith seeing as young as, Young brothers in uh, middle school, high school, wearing the beads. Yeah, uh, yeah. they uh, call it lake age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. exactly what they call them. Lake yeah. age. So, like, 
We seeing young people wear lake aids. And they even know what to call them. Yeah, so no that's doubt. how I know that they're practicing somewhat. Right. Cause they're not just saying beats. Yeah. So yeah, where, yeah. where, and I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to say, well, I don't know something, but yeah. Yeah. Why do you think there has been an increase in this? And is from what you, are you seeing that increase? And are, is everybody, is it like Christianity in the sense of, there's Baptist, there's Kojic, there's, you know what I'm saying? Is there a division in the African spiritualities that same way as Christianity? So, so there's a, a, a whole lot of questions in there. Uh, are there divisions? Absolutely. Um, there, uh, and I don't want to go too deep into the divisions, yeah. but you got Isheshe. I mean, yes, there's several divisions. Let me just leave out at that because we'll be, um, and I'll come back because I'm not running from it, but I'm just saying it's a very involved conversation. So there's, there are divisions. And then we got to remember now that we are living in a, in this country, in a capitalistic society and people have portions. Some portions are larger than others, but people have portions of even that spiritual practices practice and they're using it to hustle folks. So there's a whole lot of people who are initiating young folks into Ifa and ain't teaching them right, right? So you can. That's what I've been hearing. Well, and I want I wanted to go deeper on that though, like because how because I I see a lot of that even into like some of the cult stuff that's been going on where like these girls are just getting brainwashed by quote unquote brothers that are saying they're practicing this African religion, but then it's it's getting so perverted. So then how? How do you tell the real? How do you tell the fake? Like, how do you? So th- th- there's a couple of things, man. I just need to go back to this. A lot, a lot of folks, um, I get kind of glossy eyes sometimes when when I go to where I'm about to go. But you know, God, God has called me to be where I am. It's what it is. Um. So Jesus, this 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 Northeast African dude, um, has some church folks who were trying to jam them up so that they could sell them out to, to the Romans to have them crucified. So they ask them all kinds of questions. There's several examples where they try to jam them up so that they can set them up. One of them was Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, cause he knows what they own. I'm not going to name one of the 10 commandments that I can name. I'm not going to name one of the many laws that are in the, the first, uh, few books of uh, uh, Old Testament is called the Pentateuch, first five, called the Pentateuch. That's the book of the law. He could have named any of the thousands of laws that are in the, that book. Then, because we've already established that he's African, he could have named any of what you all call the negative confessions, all kind of laws he could have named. He says, I'm not naming none of those laws because I know y'all trying to hustle me, but here's what I will do. I'm going to name the two laws that every law known to man hangs on. First one is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Now, mind you, this dude is is pointing back to the Old Testament when supposedly our, our ancestors were in Egypt. That's a whole different conversation because we're talking about spirituality from Egypt. We got to talk about Ra. We got to talk about a whole lot of, right? We got to have that whole conversation. I was about to ask you about the laws of Maya. Maya. Right. So he could have named any of those laws, but he says, nah, first, first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Second is love your neighbor as yourself. We live in the country for any of your listeners. Can none of one of your listeners, uh, 
refute this, and I'm saying this in love. We don't have institutions that are designed to teach us who we are. The school system ain't been doing it forever, and now they came up with critical race theory that's taking even more truth out of it. Mm-hmm. And Negroes are going to churches that ain't talking about real Christianity, and so there's no place for us to learn who we are. At all. So now I can't love God's people as I am because I have no clue who I am. That's why we're having this conversation. What's the difference between Christianity and African spirituality? Bro, we mixed up. There is no difference. They both African spirituality examples, right? And so when we talk about these sort of layers in Ifa, where I was going with that is the fact that we're living in a capitalistic society. All of us have... um Many of us have been messed up by white supremacy. Let me just call it what it is. And so we get a hold to truth <clears throat> and, 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 and use the truth for self gain. And so, yeah, I'm teaching some of these young people truth, but because I'm living in a space where my head is messed up, my money is messed up on and on. I see I can hustle you. I see I can make sure that I got two or three of you to come to the crib and I do what we do. Cause I think nobody knows. And so, so, our response to the oppression that we're living through is much like what Ifa really is designed to be. It's first of all, it is not truthfully a spiritual practice. It is a practice where people are tied to their African cosmology, which is at one with the universe. It just so happens that because we're African, we know God cannot be a part of it. Right. Right. And I hope that didn't come off the wrong way. There's no way that we can move without God being a part of it. That's, that's, that's the point I'm making, right? right? But that's who we are cosmologically speaking. That's how we understand our being in the world. Right. So when we move to this sort of dichotomization, Christianity versus, here's a way of putting it. All of us have heard the, uh, the name Descartes. Descartes is a dude who says, I think, therefore I am, right? Mm-hmm. And so we... We really live our lives that way because we messed up in the head. But Africans don't, that's not, that's not the epistemology that we follow. That's not the way of the world that we follow. Africans follow Ubuntu. Right. I am because we are. And because we are, I, I am. am. That's how we, that's, that's what, that's fundamentally, that's what he fought. Uh, acknowledges, right? But if I'm a dude who's over in this country who's only taking the part that says every time I come and get a reading, I know that's a three or four hundred dollar hit. Don't let the elbow need to be something that has, you know, I don't want to go too deep into that. But that whole one process can be fifteen hundred dollar process just to come. Then when I do something and it works in your life the first time, now I say I need to give you the hand of Ifa. Give me another two thousand dollars. They need to be initiated into five. Give me another six stacks. Then you need to, it's a hustle. But our ancestors knew that this was a way of being. I think I'm, I'm running it's, my mind. No, too no, much. that's good. And yeah. you gave me a perfect segue. Why? And I've seen people say, you know, they had to pay for their reading. They had to pay for that. Why are people so comfortable with paying for readings, but so like resentful of paying the church anything? Yeah. I, my, my, Again, because we have, in my opinion, if I had, like I said, if I had all the answers, we'd all be free. But in my opinion, it's because we have been, uh, pried away from our truth. Uh, one of my mentors who made this transition, uh, Baba Asa Hilliard, Dr. Asa Hilliard, um, who was a, a member of a, a council of elders when we started Sankofa some years ago, 
uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Maroon Within. Uh, you should Google that book. That's one of the first books you put me on. Yeah. That you right. put me on that in the, uh, crossing the lynching tree. Yeah. Wow. James Cone. Yeah. Little when I first okay. joined your church. Okay. So in, so you will probably remember that the, uh, Maroon Within. With the dog. Yeah. The the story. Sheep, right. The so it's, it's a book of essays. And the shortest essay in the book, in my opinion, is the most powerful one. But he talks about the making of a sheepdog. And the way that you make a sheepdog is when, uh, a dog has puppies, has a litter of puppies. The sheep herder comes and takes the runt of the litter of the, uh, of, of that, those brothers and sister dogs that were born, takes the runt of a litter away from his brothers and sisters and puts it with a group of ewes, baby lambs, sheep that were born at the, around the same time. And so from day one, this puppy begins to suck the DNA of a lamb such that as it begins to develop is sucking in the DNA of this particular lamb such that a year or two up the road, it becomes clear that it's the fastest lamb or sheep. It's the smartest lamb or sheep. It's the strongest lamb or sheep because he thinks it's a sheep because he's been taking his DNA in so much so that if one of his brothers and sisters two years later comes and looks like he's going to do something to these lambs, he'll kill his own brothers and sisters. We live in a country where we have been trained to become sheepdogs. This is the only country in the world where, maybe I shouldn't say that, but what's true in this country is this. Give me a ding, give me a ding. What's true in this country is this. You can get a high school diploma. You can get a, a, an associate's degree from a, a two-year college. You can get a four-year degree, a baccalaureate degree. You can get a master's degree, depending on what it is that you're studying. You can get all of those degrees and graduate from elementary school and never have to learn any African history. You can get each one of them degrees. But you can't get none of them certificates or degrees without learning European history. We all learned about the Constitution in elementary school. Right. We are, we, we're forced to learn European history. Right. And we don't go to churches that teach our African history. We wonder why we sit. Man, you know what? It's funny. So you, you know, you know, Sister Marley. Yeah. Uh, I was just talking to her. I'll get my hair done. And her son, Keo, he, you know, he, his whole time in school been at Columbo. Yeah. Yeah. So this year, the first year he didn't go to Columbo, he had a regular school. Yeah, he ain't none of that. So he go to regular school and they call him and, and the teacher was like, well, you know, he, He's saying he doesn't know the uh Pledge of Allegiance. Right. And she was like, he don't. Yeah. Keo never even heard it. So everybody's standing up saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Like, he's been at a Pan-African Center school his entire yeah. life. Yeah, So now this is the first time he's going to a regular school, and they're trying to teach it to him in his form. Yeah. But that's how it should be, but it's not. That's so, it. so when I thought of that, I was like, she was like, yeah, I was proud of that. I said, hell, I'm proud of that too. Yeah. I'm proud. Yeah. Like, this is the first time. But as you see, that's what importance of school like Colombo being able to go to the highest degree because you train them up. I mean, you got Imhotep, you got Colombo. Uh, Aya is the only one that's high school, but it's not a full right. high school experience right. with the extracurriculums and all of that. But I was just speaking to your point of, that's what it looks like if you are not sucking on that DNA <clears throat> from elementary school. And meanwhile, it's the same fight that parents are having. The reason why there is a disconnect in generations is mm-hmm. because, yeah, you might be in consciousness, but then you're trying to tell your stu- tell your kids something, but they're students. They're in the system. They're almost like sheepdogs, and they have to 
now have to experience something for them to realize, right. oh, you're not a lamb, you are a dog, and now this is how dogs get treated. It's, I mean, cause to your point of Pledge of Allegiance, I remember when my little girl came home excited because she learned it. You get what I'm saying? Because they teach it to you this until you can. Condition and, yeah. and you don't realize what you're learning. You're just learning to recite something that, you know, exactly. It's just, it's just showing you that, okay, well, maybe you have a level of intelligence. Right. Quote, right. unquote. But that's not even what it is either. So, you know? so here, here's my, my, um, pushback in love. I mean, cause I agree with everything that was just said. Man, you ain't got push back and love push back. Right, but but, but 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 and uh um what so when 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 you asked me to come and I, I asked you a, a few times, well, what were we talking about? You're like, man, just you know, there's a couple things that went viral. We're just gonna talk about what you know essentially. And I'll be honest, I was I was uncomfortable with that because I don't like to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I thought about on the way over here. That is my synopsis. I'm not trying to make, um, my feeling the truth of the Gen Z or millennial group of individuals. It really just conversation is directed towards, um, in my opinion, what this amounts to is, uh, the church having rejected too many of our people and marginalized them, right? So there's no space for different ideas and realities in the church. And what some people are saying, um, as it relates to, I don't want to go to church no more, or the church is a fraud or whatever the, the critiques are, many of which are true. If we talk about that church, um, but the truth is there's a text of scripture in the book. Cause the history is, you heard, you hear Bozeman say, history is best qualified to what reward our research. Mm-hmm. This is a cycle that has been going on since the beginning of the time. Jesus, in the book of Mark, check me out, see if I'm right, wrong about it, about chapter 12, Jesus in the book of Mark has to say, have you all not read the scripture that says the stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone? Why is that important? Jesus is not just talking off his dome, dropping gems or jewels or whatever y'all said earlier. He's going back to the book of Psalms, which is these Africans history book that says we've been here before. So in the book of Psalms, I think it's, it's Psalm 122, somewhere around there, where it says the stone that the builder rejected has become a cornerstone. What does that mean? The time that we're living in now where young people are saying, I ain't fooling with y'all, has happened on many occasions before, right? And what I'm clear on as a representative of the black church, I ain't talking about that other sick stuff, the black church, I'm clear that you all are the cornerstone for us to continue building. And the reason I'm pushing that is because you can't name me one movement in the history of movements where people of color have gained traction, where the spirit house wasn't in the middle of it. We already talked about the Haitian revolution. Suedo uprising, church was in the middle of it. Cuban crisis, church in the middle of it. Actually a version of Condon Blake, but I, we, that's a whole different story. Civil rights movement, black church right in the middle of it. You're not going to find a movement where black people gain positive traction where the spirit house is not in the middle of it. So when I hear younger people saying I'm done with the church and I don't really know enough about it far to try that. No, no, no. And I'm just done. Dude, y'all sending us to hell in the handbasket. We're not going to get free without the spirit house being in the middle of it. Right. Right. Come on, man. 
is, is some of what you're saying the reason why even with this past quote unquote movement that happened, it yeah, it caught fire, but it's not sticking the way it needs to Because the spirit ain't in the, the middle spirit, of it. Yeah. Let but, me go back to a whole other piece. So when I say our epistemology says it's Ubuntu. I am because we are, we are because I am. Again, another teachable moment. Ubuntu, the word, is really a one word from a phrase of words. It's, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna mess it up. If somebody Googles it, uh, it's, it's Ubuntu, Ungumbantu, and there's one other word that ends in two. My reason for raising that is the suffix N-T-U, it means the spirit of God. That's what that suffix means. And so our whole epistemology says, yeah, we got to be community, but God got to be in the middle of it. And y'all talking about getting free with no God, man, that's laughable. So, <laughs> right. All right. So you said the rock that the builder, uh, the stone that the builder rejected, rejected became the cornerstone. Became the cornerstone. All right. Follow with me here. Just see church, where, see where I'm going here. Um, we, then we talk about the movement. We talk about the movement. That was just happening. I mean, George Floyd was explosive. Super quiet right now. Right. Super quiet. I don't care. Even in Atlanta. Like, and you've been here for, we, we can argue that, and I've said this on the podcast before, there's about 10 names I can name. If they're not in the middle of it, I question if it's really like movement work. Cause the, the, the organized circle really is so small in Atlanta. But going back to what I was saying with the Black Lives Matter movement, it's very uh, a, a very key proponent of the Black Lives Matter movement is the LGBT community. They have been rejected from the church. So, do we feel like the movement would be farther if the church would reconcile our relationship with the LGBT community mm-hmm. and the com- LGBTQ? Y'all got something. LGBTQ plus. Pies in the restated because you got a good point here. We need that to flow. So all right, restate your question. All right. For the clip. For the clip. All right. <laughs> That's why he my producer. Right. All right. So you just said before, you said before that the stone that the builder rejected became the cornerstone. And we were just talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, how it was got so big. And there was a lot going on, but then it kind of died off because spirit wasn't in the middle of it. What has been in the middle of the movement is the LGBTQ plus movement people. They have been at the cornerstone of that. If the relationship between LGBTQ and the church was reconciled, do you think our movement would be stronger? So <coughs> let me let me start by simply saying I'm gonna be pine right there. Uh it's called pine. <laughs> Um, let me start by simply saying a resounding yes. Let me just start there. I mean, it's no, cause I don't, cause a lot of folks, when they even hear, uh, the LBGTQ plus community, they look for whether or not the pastor's gonna cringe and on, on, on. I ain't scared of none of y'all. <laughs> right. So, yeah. The answer is yes. Right. I right. Man. <laughs> right. 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 So. Um, who was also a member of Trinity in Chicago, by the way, Bernie Mac was. But, um, it's the crazy. But, um, so the answer is yes, but there's a, and there's a caveat Uh because in, in my opinion, um, but two things that come to mind. There's a sister by the name of Raquel Gill. 
Y'all got to Google that sister's name. She's a millennial preacher who's better than what make any sense at all. I was just at a black church summit in Chicago about three weeks ago, first week in August or whenever that was, a couple weeks ago, uh, where she preached a sermon. And she touched on some of this rejection of a stone piece. And as you just asked, raised a question, some stuff is kind of coming to my mind. But that that sermon should be on YouTube. Google it. But the point is, in my humble opinion, while... Uh, the LBGTQ plus community is, has been at the center of that movement. There are also other segments of our community that were also a part of that, right? No, I agree. And so the Gen Z and millennial rejected people because these are people we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So we got millennials who have also been rejected because where I started about 10 minutes ago is we have not really created space for people to be who they are in the church. Because there are people who, I don't want to talk about any preachers, but there's some folk who are so married to their power, real or perceived in the church, I don't want nothing that's antithetical to who and how I am to come in the church, right? right? So I think the answer to your question is, would the movement be more efficacious? Would it be more uh, would it be further along and so on and so forth? The answer is yes, but there are other segments as well. The millennial group needs to be rewelcomed into the church. The Gen Z group needs to be rewelcomed into the church. Women, if we're honest about it, women is, are the engine to keep our churches moving, but they're the most disrespected group of people in the church because the pastor, most many, I shouldn't say most many, are screwing everything moving in the church. Hustling women for their money in church. Right. I'm just, you know, it's what it is. And so when we say that that text of scripture that Jesus pointed, now that mind you now, this is first century Africa that Jesus is pointing them back to the book of Psalms, which is almost a century before that saying, yo, y'all don't remember that this stone has always been rejected. Now we got to be clear that it's the cornerstone. So that happened then. We're in a different space. What I envision is some church. And maybe spirit is talking to me right now. Some church needs to have a reconciliation exercise event where we invite all these communities together to say, number one, indict the church. We sorry for the way we've been moving. We sorry for the way that we've messed up and allowed you to think that this African spirituality was some other than what it is. We're sorry that we ain't made no space for the LBGQ community. We're sorry for all of these segments, right? And now we recognize, because if you read that text very closely, it says the stone that the builder rejected became the cornerstone. So what does that mean? Who's the, the builder? The builder during that particular time is whoever has the power. I mean, we'll, we'll do it this way. The way stones become stones that are prepared for building is that they're cut out of a rock quarry, right? And so somewhere way away from where the building takes place, somebody cuts out of the rock quarry some big boulders of brick and they shape them into bricks to be used for building, taken over to where the building is going to take place. And the builder gets to decide which one is worthy for building or not. In this metaphorical situation, the builder is a preacher or the old folks in the church. I get to say what fits or what don't fit. Right. And so when you live your life long enough such that you keep getting told that you are not a fit and you end up leaving the church and now you end up having these questions like I don't fool with the church no more. The builder has said that you're not a fit. Right. right. And so now what I'm saying is so come. I envision come to the grass on outside of San Carlos. I might go ahead and ask you to help me organize this. Y'all come. Let's indict the church. But what you don't get to do. And here's where the critique comes. It's a two-way thing. I am because we, you know, it's Ubuntu. 
Y'all get to create the church, but I get to push back. You have a choice in this matter. The builder could, the, the stone could have allowed the builder's description of them to be their truth and stay away from a church. Or you can act with the most powerful act of resistance and say, I'm going to be who I am anyway. And I'm not letting you goddamn push me away from a church because I know that's where my source of power is. I'm going to be in the church. And I'm going to be me the way I am because I realize I can't point to no area where we've gained some some victories over oppression and white supremacy without the church or some spirit house being in the middle of it. I'm not going to let y'all crazy fools push me away from my source of power. I can speak to that critique uh, from me uh, and how I came to Sankofa. So when I, my journey, I was born into um, a church called Little Bethlehem, super white, 90 Eight percent white. I've been there. Yeah, like I was. I was. <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, did. You seen it. You seen it. <laughs> so I grew up in that, right? Uh, then a little bit more enlightenment happened. We left there and went to church in and now multicultural church, right? But the leadership is still ninety percent white. You know what I'm saying? So it's still white politics and all of that. But it was much better because you got black people a part of the yeah. church, and then. That church shut down, and I just kind of like I was, I was done with it. Yeah, and I didn't want to go to church no more. You, you can say something, but like I didn't want to go to church, and and I don't think that's the part that people don't want to admit. Mm-hmm. People want to say what church did to them, how they were offended, but nobody want to really just because at the end of the day, we all got this steel connection, or we don't want to go to hell. We kind of love God. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to say out loud. Like, I just don't want to go to church. I'm done with church. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's very few people that say that. They'll say the church did this to me, the church did that to me. And like you said, if that's the case, forget this church. I'm about to find one that we have the, we have the agency to create whatever it is that we need. Right. And I didn't do that. And, yeah. and I left, I walked away from it because I was tired because again, you start getting on YouTube, Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Follow every, every page you see. And then you find that hidden colors. Hey man, I ain't dealing with the white folks shit yeah. no more, man. I'm yeah. done with church. Yeah. And it wasn't, I'm gonna tell you what got me on your church. It was two things. It was two things. One, three. One, um, this is when I was dating, uh, Anastasia at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I went with Anastasia to Passing City Church. Mm. She was like, yeah, come with me to church. And I walked in that church and I immediately almost got sick. Like I just felt. Yeah. I'm not going back to that shit. Like yeah. I'm done with this church. I said, look, I know you say you, we need to go to church. Let me find the church. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's why you was already my little man, man, yeah. brother. Yeah. And you, you invited brothers to come to church, but I was just done with church. I just went and coming. Yeah. But she wanted to go to church. So I came to yours and the first sermon you had said, if your pastor not preaching with a, Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other mm-hmm. to help you combat what's going on in the world today with the word of God. It's not the right church. When I heard that, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I, I literally leaned over to her and I said, yeah, this is my pastor and I'm going here. So that was like, that was the hook. But what pulled me all the way out the water is when I came to your Bible study and Bible study. If you grew up in the church was boring. But Sunday you got worship, you got all this, but Bible study was just like, cause it was the, it was the longest reading of the Bible. It, it, it's Bible study. Your Bible study was like a college course with a professor that is welcoming you to challenge his curriculum. 
And like, we were asking questions and we were going back and forth and it just was like a real dialogue. And the Bible study where really, I'm like, okay, here I'm going to actually learn about God versus a lot of us regurgitate what our grandma told us about God or regurgitate what we heard about God. But really this put me in a position and that's when you gave me James Cone and the lynching tree. Yeah. Uh, you gave me that book. Crossing the lynching tree. Yeah, Crossing yeah. the lynching tree. You gave me that. Uh, that's when you uh, taught me about Jeremiah. I ain't know about Jeremiah, right? So that's what got me. And I'm just, I'm backing up your point of there is critique on both sides. Yeah. Just like they can critique the church. They got to be open for the critique that comes back. And, and, and I, 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 I want to, what sorry. you, what you wanted to say? Oh, yeah. I, wanna, um, I, I had a little that. question. Um, I attend Morris Brown college. I understand that was founded by the AME church. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you how, how, like how much did the AME church impact your, um, uh, as far as growth? So, so, so I grew up in the AME church. I'm, I'm, I'm clear on the history. Uh, but just like we're having, it's interesting. So just like we're having this conversation about the black church, as it were, and how it has become something that is unrecognizable to its own people. Um, the unfortunate reality is, 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 is pretty true about the AME church as well. AME church has started because, uh, Absalom Jones and, uh, Richard Allen were in a Methodist worship experience. Uh, all white church. And this is when our ancestors used to have to sit in the balcony behind the screen. Cause the white folks made it clear. We don't even want to see y'all niggas faces, right? But y'all can come in here and worship, but you got to go upstairs, sit behind the screen. During the altar call, Absalom Jones and Richard Allen on a particular worship Sunday, they said, no, nah, we're going down to the altar to pray. They go down to the altar to pray. White folks literally drag them out of the church, humiliated and done with it. That's when they started the Freedman Society and the AME Church grew out of that. My reason for for laying that little bit of history down is because these were liberation-minded, pan-African, preacher-type folk like Denmark VC, Nat Turner, Gabriel Prosser, all of them. So early on, Big Bethel was a liberation-minded church. Well, today, again, because I keep going back to the fact that we live in a capitalist society, I'm saying this with all the love that I have for the AME Church. This is where I met God. My father's a steward in the AME church. I don't want no smoke. But the truth is, the truth is, it operates kind of mafia-ish. Because if I'm a pastor of a church that used to be a number one church on the roster in a particular district, the bishop and the presiding elder, there's a set number that you got to raise for the bishop every year. And it's based on your membership. Well, if I used to have 400 members and now I'm down to 70 members, your number's still tied to that 400 member piece. Right. And so for me, that's another example of us getting a portion of a truth and using it to not do right by our people. So when you say, where does the AME church fall in? What is beginning was supposed to be is about liberation. It's about we're not going to succumb to or accept white supremacy. What it has become. I don't, I'm not personally familiar with 10 AME preachers that are on the liberation front. You ask a question, I'm just, you know. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, no, no. Um, Just uh, before we go, like he mentioned the sister Raquel, uh, who are like two other preachers or churches well, that they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll give me my uh that goes into my question oh yeah because yeah cause i just want because i've been to your church too and i mean i think you're the only church that oh. has done what elder just talking about yeah like, it can help you reconcile being black yeah going to church and like you say 
not separate African and Christianity and realize yeah. the history in it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I think, I think I, I come from Charleston and, and my preacher used to, he used to say things, but I don't think he really knew, knew. I just think that he was such a historian reading the book. And yeah. They used to have a map in our church. So we used to see that like, okay, well, they're talking about yeah, that's Africa. Africa. Right. But he never said African. Mm. You know, he never spoke of it in those terms, but we saw that, okay, well, they're talking about Africa, yeah. you know, yeah. and it was on those Wednesdays that he would get into that stuff. But right. you were the first church that actually marriaged it and said, okay, now this is where, you know. Yeah. It, I wouldn't be worth my salt if I didn't say uh, uh, that there are actually several churches. Again, remember, he who controls the media, he or she who controls the media controls the narrative. And so they're not going to lift up liberation-minded churches because that doesn't uh, maintain help maintain the status quo. Uh, but immediately off the rip, one of my big brothers uh, in ministry, uh, Reverend Dr. Mark Lomax, who's a pastor, first African uh, Presbyterian church in Lithonia, uh, you know, he was my preaching teacher in seminary. And they're doing it, been doing it for a while. Uh, my fraternity brother, Reverend Dr. F. Keith Slaughter, is a pastor of beloved community. Slaughter. Uh, you know, I, now, now what I'm going to say though is, you know, Slaughter ain't going to say this all the time. Y'all see that aunt that's in this church? That's my aunt. He took that aunt <laughs> from my church. And <laughs> when I, when I came to tell him I said it, cause it's true. When I came to, to seminary. He Slaughter, to the pod. <laughs> yeah. Slaughter, know, my boy. I, yeah, I've seen that aunt yeah, in the church. That's my man. That's my man. I love the ground the brother walks on. There's no question about it, but I, Slaughter's from Blasville, Arkansas. And, uh, and I love Slaughter. I mean, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. But Slaughter was one of the first people to talk me about hooping in the church because he's a hooper. And I didn't know what that was, right? And I'm like, you know, what is it? I remember going back to, uh, to Chicago one break. I asked Jeremiah Wright, what's hooping? He preached a whole sermon about it. I'll tell you about that some other time. But, um, I'm the person that introduced Slaughter to liberation theology. I said, I don't know about that hooping, but I know about this. And he's taken it and gone to a different level. And I have mad respect amorous and love for him for doing that. Uh, Dr. Maisha uh, uh, Handy, who's a pastor of Rise Community Church, also over in the Pittsburgh area. There are people who are doing liberation-minded, African-centered ministry, but because they don't want you to know that that's happening, you ain't going to know about it, right? And so I just want to get back to the, I, I use the language critique, but it's actually a plea in love. The building cannot be built without those that the church has rejected. And if we accept the fact that we need the spirit house in the middle of these movements towards our liberation, we need y'all. We need the, the queer community. So you ain't got to do all the acronyms. Just say queer. That's acceptable language. Now. I just got to be sure. We, we, we need the queer community. We can't build the building without y'all. We need the millennial community. We need y'all back. We need the Gen Z community. We need women who are not being used and abused like the ch the church. I argue has been more oppressive of black people than any white person ever could be. If we're going to be honest about it. Right. And we need, we need you to come back because there's something to be said for. I used to feel good. Elders alluded to it a minute ago. If there's, he said he can name about 10 people. And if they weren't in the middle of the movement stuff, question whether or not it's, 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 it's legit or what have you. I think you were saying that I might be one of those names. If I, if, if I'm not, I'm on the periphery, but most times I was, and I'm saying I was intentionally because when the whole George Floyd thing happened, many of us 
who have been doing this work for decades understood it's time for us to step back now. These young yeah. folks doing what they're doing. I yeah. gladly did that. But when I saw that these young folks are doing what they're doing and the, the, the spirit of God is not in the middle of it, we still ain't going to win. So what I'm saying is I am begging. Dude, y'all see where stuff ain't right? Your spirit is telling you it ain't right. That's cool. But go to the spaces where it is right. Because without you in the church house, our people are going to lose. And the truth becomes, I'm going to make this last statement. I'm, I'm also the director of a Lutheran theological center uh, in Atlanta, which is on ITC's campus. That's where I got my, my master of divinity degree. And my role in that, at that center is to write curriculum for people to learn how to address issues of justice from a faith perspective using African pedagogies. Here's what I like scary. This is what this white denomination put on paper as my charge at the center. And they put on many of their marketing materials now that the Lutheran church can only survive if it becomes younger and more diverse. Here's a translation. We're trying to get more black people in here. What does that mean? Without young people coming to the church, white folks have already understood that without y'all, the church is going to die. There's some white folks that want the church to die because yeah. if the church dies, y'all damn sure ain't going to get free. Yeah. This is by design. So what I'm saying is if y'all really talking about freedom, you got to come back and we got to have these reconciliation pieces that say, we sorry for what we miss, but now let's collectively build what we need and quit talking about us and lumping me in with some folk that's, you know, I, I ain't going to call no names, but some names that are real big names. Man, don't be comparing me to them folks, man. Come yeah, on. don't be talking about no criminal T.J. <laughs> <Jason. laughs> I ain't saying you said. Power Wars. Hey, so look, look. I'll say this. You look. can't get reparations <laughs> without God. Man. With, say it again. With, um, even in the church. So there's people like me that went to the church. When I do go to church, I want church. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you got a lot of these churches trying so hard to be everything but church. Yeah. It ain't even church. Every time be concerts. Bruh, like, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's everything. Like, let's start with something simple like music. You know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like music, gospel music is doing how folks talk about hip hop. You know, they were like, man, this hip hop ain't real music no more. This da 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 da. Like, bro, the gospel music, you ain't getting that. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Nigga, you heard no black woman crowd the beginning of yeah, the intro. Yeah. I love gospel music. Like, they be, they trying too much to be like R&B. So, and I, and I understand that because gospel artists getting paid compared to secular artists like WNBA to NBA. So I know they trying to yep. do their thing, but. But Elder, let me just slow you up. I, I, I genuinely apologize for jumping in. No, dude, you here. I just got to say though, uh, we can't understand that. We understand it from the perspective of, as I've said several the times, capitalism. Right. Yeah, okay, I understand the capitalist side, but this ain't that. But this ministry, right? Particularly if we're married to the purpose and function and necessity of the church for our people. If we understand what the church is supposed to be for our people, we can't understand that the people in the church are making it more more of a lean towards capitalism. We're never going to be free. Mm. So the point becomes that there's another book uh, 
the author's name is uh, Maladoma Patrice Somme. And the book is about uh, the, the, the spirit of intimacy, I think is what the book is called. But in the book, he talks about how, again, using our African cosmology, we understand that everybody, when they come here, has their own medicine. And they come here searching for that medicine that is absolutely necessary for the community to be healed. It ain't just the preacher that got the medicine that everybody needs. You got a medicine. You, everybody in here got medicine, right? right? And our journey is to find that medicine. And when we find it, everybody gets healed. Well, the point becomes this. You ain't just a podcaster. You ain't just let us make man stuff and all other things that you do. You got a gift of song. And so when you say, when I go to church, I want to get church. If the folks with the music medicine ain't in the church, that's why you ain't getting what you're looking for. It's a real simple critique. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I can't sing my way out of wet paper bag. No, I get it. And then honestly, it's, you know, on this podcast, I can't complain. I, I got the CC rule. I can't complain without creating. Yeah, yeah. So if I complain about something, I either have to create it or support somebody that's doing it. And yeah. that's why I did join your church. Yeah. Because it wasn't there. And then when I got there, I just wanted to be a member because every church I ever went to, I was... Work your fingers to the bone. Yeah. And then joined the choir. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it just is what it is. So I, I have a conviction. If I'm around, I got to do it. Yeah. But I didn't want to get no medicine. I just want to get medicine. <laughs> and the space that we're in now is we no longer have um, the luxury of not wanting to give our people our medicine. Yeah, we got to heal everybody. Because, uh, I mean, I just, I mean, just to give you, because that ain't just perfunctory talk. I mean, I, in addition to running from my call to ministry, I was on a real paper chase. I was a, a senior uh, uh, sales health science associate, which means that I went through all three levels of pharmaceutical sales. <laughs> so <position>. drugs. <laughs> yeah, still doing it, right? But I was, I went through all through the layers of being a pharmaceutical sales representative. Then I became a health science associate, which means that last job was in 1990-something. But I was making in 97, it's 98, I was making, I had an $85,000 base salary. And I was getting sixty or $70,000 in bonus, and I own an Allstate insurance franchise. I was on the paper chase. And so I'm, you know, I was getting it. And then there's a whole story how I'm pulled away from that. I accept my call to ministry. I ain't made that kind of money since. And can you imagine how many times my honest to God thought was, and I'm six feet, three inches tall. I ain't the worst looking dude in the room. I could put on the lime green suit and some gators and not say shit and get paid if I wanted to. For real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, but what God and the ancestors keep pressing me on is now, if this is about the liberation of people of color. You got to do it right. Which brings me to my next thing. Uh, you just made a plea. I haven't heard a pastor make a plea to the queer community, millennial community. This is the first time I ever heard a pastor make that plea to come back to the church. Um, for them, they're thinking, man, I ain't trying to go. I can't do this no more. I can't do that no more. What do you say to those people that say that? Like, I ain't coming there because I ain't trying to change my lifestyle. I want to still listen to rap music. I still smoke. I still drink. Talk to those folks. 
So there's a, I think I may have alluded to it already, that there's a text of scripture that says, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein and all that dwell within. Um, it, in my opinion, um, is the fault of uh, untrained, unlearned um, individuals who have not studied the Bible but to the point that you were making have just regurgitated what they've heard preachers and grandmamas say who've got whole segments of our community thinking that they don't fit, right? And so for me, um, there is uh, an argument that needs to be made that says there's respect for the institution of a church that cannot be um, bastardized or watered down or what have you. But if the book says, come as you are, I mean, this ain't no rocket science conversation. It say come as you are. And so if you are who God created you to be, we're saying we're making a plea, come so that we can create that that needs to be created that will be the vehicle for our freedom. Because the point is in that text, without that stone that has been rejected, the building cannot be built. So I'm going to still be speaking the truth that God has given me. I'm going to still be building as best as I can. But if the cornerstone is there, the building leans. Right. We need the cornerstone. <laughs> I mean, it's just real fundamental. That's what's up, man. Uh, first of all, give, give a round of applause, man. This has been good. This has been good. This is uh, equipping for me for sure. And just answer a lot of questions that I had. And what's up? Are you doing Bible study right now? Like, I know we, one Sunday you opened up the church. Like, I know, cause y'all been respecting the, uh, the COVID protocol. Yeah. Where are we at with Sankofa right now? If you want to talk about that to the people. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, during COVID, we found that a mold issue that's in the basement of a church has required for the church to be remediated. And so we're together in person first and third Sunday. We're supposed to be together today, but, uh, uh, Minister Connie, as you know, who's the engine that runs the church, uh, sent me a text yesterday, day before, whenever it was, said it's supposed to be raining and I ain't coming to church. And so we need to be virtual again. And so normally first and third Sundays, we're together outside uh, on the grass in the church. And then second and fourth Sunday, we're virtual. The truth is uh, because the cooler uh, months are coming, we're probably going to be moving and I don't even want to put it out here uh, in this setting, but we're probably going to be worshiping inside somewhere down the street. Um, three Sundays a, a month. Uh, as far as Bible study is concerned, I'll just be honest, man. There's been a couple of things that I have shared um, that I'm actually shocked that I shared, like what I was doing on the steps of the church, you know, 20 years before we started the church. Um, but another is... Um, and I was alluding to this earlier when you were saying that, you know, a group of 10 people, if they're not, in the, all of them not in the middle of it, some of them not in the middle of it, it may not be legit. There was a time that I was excited when people would acknowledge um, me for the work that I've done for our people. And there's a whole lot of stories that can be told. But when I tell you that this can also be one of the most disappointing um, and depressing realities on the planet, because People will pat you on the back publicly, but then not support what you do. And it's like, well, why keep doing it at the level you've been doing it? And so I'm embarrassed to say, honestly, that we've not created a space where our 
uh, Bible study uh, groups. We had about five of them uh, that were meeting. There was one for the men, one for the sisters, one for young folks. And I would kind of bounce around wherever, keep the conversations lively or whatever. We haven't had uh, those groups that get together in over two years. And, um, you know, it's, it's, as you know, you know, there was a time when if I preached 30 minutes, there was about 45 minutes of preparation time that went into creating that sermon. And it's, it's depressing to do that kind of digging and preparation and ain't nobody there, <laughs> you know? So, uh, if there's a need, I got it. If you, you know? want to, <laughs> if, if you want to take that Bible study on a, uh, virtual platform, I commit to facilitating on a weekly basis. I hear you loud and clear. I'm with it. Yeah. If I'm you want to do that. I mean, just because I want people to be able to experience that. Yeah, I'm with it. Because I know that for me, somebody that is clear that I am disgusted with my church experience. And right. that wasn't necessarily me, but that's what a lot yeah. of people are saying. Right. They don't know that they're saying it. They're, they're disgusted with the experience that they had, but they're not completely disconnected from that power source. Mm-hmm. I think what you do in your Bible studies, I think giving them opportunity to see and feel that will be real. And because of Zoom is what it is now, I'll do it. I'll be down to facilitate that for you. Let's do it. I mean I just I mean you know I like to preach with a with illustrations and analogies, but just think about this. I don't know how much time we have, but a, a, every brother in this room has has purchased uh at least a few flowers, if not a dozen roses for some sister that you either trying to say, I'm sorry to, or, you know, you want to, whatever. And what happens yeah. is, yeah, <laughs> it's what it is, man. I mean, we've done me some flowers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, if you do it up real right, you, if you get roses, you get the baby's breath put in there, look real good. The house smell real good. How you know you buy uh, flowers? Yeah. You said the baby's breath. The baby's breath, bro. You got, cause, it, cause it's aesthetic too. It's the smell, it's the look, it's all of that, right? But here's the truth. When, when you put that vase of flowers on the, the table or the wherever you, you set it down, it's beautiful for three or four days. But because those flowers have literally been cut from their source of life, even if you put the baby food to come with expensive flowers in the, in the vase, it might live an extra day or two. But after that first week, them flowers are dead. In fact, they were on their way to death when you left the, the flower shop. These individuals that we're talking about who've allowed themselves to be cut from their power source are dying or dead. Yeah. Really just real talk. Right. And so I get the critique. You know, I, like I said, I ran for my call to ministry for years. Uh, I don't like a lot of what the black church is that people are calling the black church, but to be cut from one's power source and still be talking about wanting to be alive is oxymoronic. It just, it can't happen. Yeah. Wow. Our well spent for me. Round of applause. Round of applause. Mm-hmm. Randy, you got anything you want to say to the people, how they can find you, connect with you, support your ministry, you know, book you to speak, anything. Uh, you can, in, in terms of the, the, the bookings and stuff, just go to the church's website, sankofa.church, www.sankofa.church. Sankofa is spelled S-A-N-K-O-F-A, sankofa.church. Um, but you, you, you inspired something. I, I am envisioning trying to have an in-person event where individuals from each one of those, uh, groups of our people are invited to a space where we indict the church, 
where we make reparations from the church and where we make a commitment to become a different church where people can be comfortable and we can still all be about uh, the liberation leaning business of the church. And so uh, I'd be interested in hearing what kind of feedback you get from your followers. If there's any modicum of feedback, and here's one, one other thing that needs to be, I think needs to be pointed to. I think the producer said earlier that the church no longer is on the forefront of the movement work. Again, language is critically important. If you run across 70 plus year old people, 90% of them will say, I march with Dr. King. When the truth is, that's a lie because only about 10 to 12% of black folks in this country were following Dr. King. It's always a remnant of individuals that do the liberation work. Yeah. And so the church, as it were, was not at the front end of that movement work even then. I mean, I can name you two churches in Chicago that when they changed the name of Midway Park, which was a street in Chicago, to King Drive, sell out Uncle Tom preachers, change the address of their church from the front door to the side door because I'm not going to have my church on the street of that dude because he was a troublemaker. That's real talk, right? And so it's not confusing to me that, you know, there's a lot of places I don't get called and invited to come preach because I'm going to give it to you the way God has given it to me. And we're in the city that says we, we the city that's too busy to hate. You can't name me in the history book two marches or rallies that Dr. King did here in Atlanta. Why? Because Daddy King and William Holmes Borders said you can do all that in Memphis and Alabama, but we don't do that here. Damn. The Atlanta way? Yeah. So anyway, so come, I, I, I'm interested in having that reconciliation thing. You can go to the church. We worship on, on Sundays at 10 in person on second and uh, first and third Sunday and uh, virtually uh, on Facebook and YouTube uh, at Sankofa Church uh, on second and fourth Sunday. And we invite y'all come back. Y'all the stone that the builder rejected. and We want to make you the cornerstone. Come back and help us do the work. Amen. With that being said, y'all, appreciate y'all for tuning in to this episode. We said every week we love y'all, we need y'all, but most importantly, we can't wait to see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Jess Eldridge Podcast. Just a pastor. Everybody know about Atlanta. It's just a coochie. Everybody know about the scammers, about the trappers, and what we living now. It's just that lifestyle. Turn on my podcast. I'm trying to hit it real now. Hear perspective. We only keep it real now. Every day we on the grind. Sometimes it's hard to tune out the outside. Oh. Tune in on the podcast, yeah. Real things, you know we gon' last, yeah. Kick it back.